0: me a go-no-go no, go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was going to say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. Welcome back, everybody,
1: to the Almost Sideways podcast. We are coming at you with another episode. Our last episode just dropped a couple days ago. Uh, we are recording this on Friday, March 20th, far earlier than anticipated, uh, for our next uh, podcast episode because, honestly, we don't have anything else to do. So, uh, we're, uh, we're here again, talking movies, uh, distracting ourselves from all the all the crazy quarantine stuff going on around us. Uh, I am your host, Terry Plucknett. Joining me, as always, Todd Plucknett and Zach Saltz. Zach, how's the, how's the last week been for
2: you? Oh, you know, it's been fun. I think everyone after, you know, Kansas got some national attention for shutting down their schools, maybe a, uh, a bit earlier than some of the other states, but there's a misconception out there that we're just hanging around and doing nothing. Like, I actually have to like do work next week. So maybe that's like a good thing. But I, I will. I, I've been getting used to getting up at noon. I got to be honest with you. It's it, it has not See, been bad.
1: See that was my week. This week, we we went into full on online learning. This week, and then next week is supposed to be our uh, our spring break. So, next week I have nothing to do, but uh, we we spent this week getting it all set up so that we're good to go. We're we're out for at least at least a month after our spring break. Uh, coming back at the earliest the end of April. So, uh, so yeah. So uh, Todd, the non-teacher in the in the group, you had this last week off too, but for a very different reason.
0: Yeah, well, I should be watching wall to wall basketball right now, but you know that's not happening. So yeah, I've pretty much been doing nothing all week, which is kind of fun, but I really don't want to go back to work either. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, that, that's got that's got to be tough, seeing the entire world shut down. But you're one of those few things that
0: the can't. essential businesses.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are an essential business. Uh,
2: all right. Uh, well, uh, Zach, what are you drinking? I'm having from the fabulous Lawrence, Kansas, out of uh, Free State Brewing Company, the Storm. their Storm Chaser IPA, which uh, is a fantastic, very hoppy beverage, and I think it's been sitting in my refrigerator for about eight months. It's been quarantined itself, so... <laughs> the the red flag has been issued and it's now good to go
1: it it, it's been well aged
2: yes exactly
1: but i don't think beer works like a fine wine
2: you know this this is pretty fine no complaints here
1: (laughs) good good
0: todd what do you got uh i have the jonas curse black spiced rum it is really dark and really like vanilla-y and it's a it's good
1: nice nice i have what's probably like one of the favorite beers around our house and i don't think i've had it on the podcast before but it's like the like go-to if you just want something nice and refreshing it's uh the 10 barrel brewery pub beer uh it's it's the plainest can in the world but you can get a six pack of tall boys for 6.99 at the grocery store um and it's and it's good beer like it doesn't taste like like watered down like Budweiser Coors or anything like that. It's it's good beer and uh yeah. No complaints here. So
2: cheers. So cheers. what's the like the uh what's the alcohol situation where you are? Like are liquor stores open? Like do you have enough supply to last the next twelve to eighteen months?
1: Well it, I never go to a liquor store, so I just go to the grocery I guess store yes that's get true.
2: I forget in Oregon you can just get every anything at a grocery store.
1: Exactly. Well, you can get beer and wine at a grocery store. Up up at Todd, where he's at, you can get literally anything at the grocery store.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The liquor aisles are still not sold out or anything. And plus, there are liquor stores like Total Wine, and Bevmo. Yeah, there's there's endless opportunity as long as they don't just like shut down all commercial stores.
1: Yeah. Well, and even even the states that are that are going on full lockdown, which you know, it it sounds like might be coming at some point for for all of us. Grocery stores are not shutting down, so uh, yeah. Yeah,
2: I'm just gonna make a confession, you know, full on right here, right now. I, I'm like terrified of of the coronavirus. I actually have not gone outside in like five days. I I, I think it's like airborne, even though I, they say it's not. But I'm I'm terrified, so I'm not. I'm literally not going anywhere. I know Todd's I, probably rolling his eyes at that, but yeah. I, I've Just been from,
1: from here to school and back. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's about all I've done.
2: See, the thing is, like, when you start getting these fears that, like, oh, my voice, it's feeling a little scratchy, you know? But then it's, like, paranoia, and it's not real, and it's, like, psychosomatic. But, like, you know, when you're a neurotic uh, personality like I am, you start dreading these things. And then it becomes, like, oh, well, I did go outside to grab the mail for five minutes the other day, so have I contracted it? Uh, you know, it, it's it, its not easy.
0: But so what you're, you're saying
1: under
2: 60, is we should so be... you're not going to die
1: what you're saying is we should be like we should be like deep diving bandits and doing a deep uh, deep yes. character study of billy bob thornton i am billy bob
2: thornton and the coronavirus is an antique store and so it is a terrifying existence right now
1: <laughs> uh, well let's uh let's lighten the mood and uh, and distract ourselves by talking about some uh, some movies and some of the stuff we've been watching before we deep dive uh, a film that is celebrating its twenty fifth anniversary this year that is a favorite, uh, especially of mine and Zach's. So first, let's talk about what we've been watching. And Todd, I'm going to go to you first. What have you been? Uh, what have you been doing the last week?
0: Uh, I haven't watched a ton of movies, so I'm going to review uh, the miniseries that I watched. It is by the creator of the TV show The Killing, which is one of my favorites. It is Seven Seconds, and the creator is Vina Sood, the uh, like Israeli Canadian. Uh, writer director and it's uh it's a pretty awesome miniseries. it's got some directing talent like jonathan demi and gavin o'connor working on it it, was, it came out in 2018 it's uh about uh, this cop named peter jablonski who's like rushing through the snow to get to his wife who's in labor and he runs over a black teenager riding a bike and so he calls up his like commanding officer and he comes with his like task force and pretty much tells him you know like you can go, like, we'll take care of this, don't worry about it, nothing's going to happen. And then so it's just a giant cover-up thing. And uh, the there's a new uh, a homicide investigator in town, and he's getting a bunch of shit for kind of investigating the cops because he knows it's kind of shady. And then there's this, uh, the prosecuting attorney, and they sort of work together to try to uncover what happened. And Regina King and Russell Hornsby play the father and mother of the... Uh, of the victim, and they are both awesome. They just kind of live in those roles, and Regina King uh, actually won the Emmy for this role like three like months after it was it had already been canceled because it was canceled like a few months after it was released on Netflix, but it was still good enough that it was remembered by the Golden Globes and the Emmys, and she she can really do anything. And 2018 really was her year. I, I love that the the show is less about the mystery than it is about it's more about like race and like dealing with grief and injustice and like internal affairs and and the stuff that I really like Venus like, suit is really good at that kind of thing about uh, having this like fully developed crime drama that that doesn't like talk down to you but it doesn't also baby you at all it's uh, it's just really meticulous and slow burning and it it's uh, exactly what I want in this kind of show uh, it's not the killing but it's not meant to be it, it everything's wrapped up in 10 episodes and uh I, it works and it and it's really timely without being overly political and it really digs into the character development of it all and it's really I I, I thought it was awesome and it's, it's a three and a half star uh, miniseries I'm I'm not really good at rating TV necessarily but uh, it, it's definitely worth the watch especially if you're not doing anything for a while.
1: Nice, nice. do you watch that before, Zach?
2: No, I honestly hadn't even heard of it before. Todd just mentioned it. it sounds really interesting, though. Huh.
1: Yeah. Good. Good. All right. Well, Zach, what have you been watching?
2: All right. Well, I watched uh, the new movie on Hulu uh, starring uh, Pete Davidson called Big Time Adolescence directed by Jason Orley. And it's a movie that was scheduled to get a theatrical release along with a Hulu release. But now it is strictly streaming and uh, it stars Pete Davidson as this kind of stoner, loser guy named uh, Zeke, which is a perfect role for Pete Davidson. Um, He's in his early 20s and his best friend is this teenager named Monroe, played by Griffin Gluck. And basically Monroe idolizes him because he uh, was sort of like a father figure to him because Zeke dated his older sister. And Zeke loves hanging out with this younger kid because the younger kid worships him, and uh, you know he thinks it's cool that someone actually likes him. And so it's both—it's—it's it's really this sort of awkward buddy comedy, a little bit about how. They're both sort of maladjusted to the worlds that that they live in. Um, Zeke is just a perpetual loser who no one respects whatsoever, whereas Monroe is this kind of, like, overachieving kid who gets into these really bad habits because Zeke puts him up to it. Um, It's a pretty funny movie. It's definitely sort of, like, a, a mixture of role models and, like... There's some apatow esque humor in it. I wouldn't say it's over the top in terms of its humor. In fact, what I liked about it was less its humor. There weren't a whole lot of laugh-out-loud moments, um, and more its character development. Um, I liked that the way the the dialogue and the ways that the characters interacted. I also liked the performance of uh, Monroe's father, who's played in the movie by John Cryer, and he sees Zeke as this like really bad influence. And but but you know it's a little bit more complicated than that. Um, I really like Griffin Gluck as an actor. He was one of the stars of American Vandal, one of the two uh, filmmaking kids in that movie. Um, He's really good in this movie. There's some uh, heartfelt dialogue. It's not, the again, the laugh-out-loud humor that you might expect from the poster, which makes it look like role models. Um, It's a solid three-star movie, very much worth your time, especially in the middle of a quarantine. And I think Pete Davidson's pretty talented. I've I've liked his stuff, so you don't necessarily have to be a fan of his to, to appreciate the movie.
1: Nice, nice. I I, I am a, a decent Pete Davidson fan, so I'll uh, It's definitely, I'll be interested to check that out. It's
2: definitely like an Adam Sandler in the 90s type performance, and he channels that really, really well.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see him having a vibe like that. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right, well, I'm going to go through a few things that I watched. Uh, I only watched two movies this week, um, and so I'm going to go through those kind of quick the first one was um you know when you're sitting around at home with nothing to do and and the little kids are around one of the ways if you want to watch something you just turn on tcm because all the movies are old enough that there's nothing that's going to be bad for the kids to watch and so that's what i did a couple days ago and i caught a, a movie i'd never even heard of uh from 1942 it's called shut my big mouth it's a joe e brown movie Um, he's the star of the month right now on TCM and, uh, it was really fun. I'd seen this guy's face before, but I had never seen anything he had been in. Um, this is, uh, a story of, uh, Wellington Holmes, who's played by Joe E. Brown. And he is moving to the West as, uh, back in like, you know, frontier days, he's moving to the West, uh, as a horticulturist to, um, to, you know, beautify the West is his slogan and he ends up becoming somehow through a random series of events the sheriff of the new town that he is in and uh which he is completely unprepared to be to try and stop buckskin bill the uh the outlaw who has taken over the town and it a lot of uh hijinks ensue and um there's some good laughs in there um He's kind of ridiculous as it goes as it goes on. It's completely silly and slapstick and a lot of fun. I'm giving it three stars. Uh, if you haven't checked out anything by E. Brown before, uh, he's such a unique personality that it's it's worth uh, it's worth seeing. So yeah, have any of you guys seen this movie or any movie that E. Brown's been in?
0: I'm not familiar with him though.
1: No. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah, he's one that I wasn't really familiar with, but as soon as you see a picture of him, you'll be like, "Oh, I've seen that face before," cuz he has a very unique face. Um but yeah, he's a star of the month on uh on TCM right now, so you might be able to catch a movie of his at some point uh if you if you're looking for something something different. So that that was uh, one movie I watched. Um I've also been keeping up on my uh on my anniversary watches which uh, may be in jeopardy now since uh, most of my anniversary watches are supplied by the library and the public library is currently shut down. But um, the one I watched this week was uh, from the year 2000. So it's 20 years old this year. It was the uh, winner of the Best Documentary Award at the 2000 Oscars and it's called Into the Arms of Strangers, Stories of the Kinder Transport. And it is a story of... Uh, about 10,000 Jewish children being uh, smuggled out of Germany in the late 1930s to uh, foster homes in England before the Holocaust uh, took them away. And uh, most, of the, uh, most of the story is told by these kids who, are now, who were grown up and uh, recalling the, uh, the experiences they had of being taken from their homes, their parents putting them on a train and, and sending them off to another country without them because they knew it would be best for their uh for their survival um it's a fascinating story it's something i actually didn't really know much about uh going into so i was really interested to hear about it and uh and the different stories and how they're told some some never saw their parents again some did there's a really moving story of a of a girl who is on the train she's going away she's saying bye to her parents and her her father has uh struggled to say goodbye and ended up pulling her out of the window of the train because he couldn't let her go. Um, and, uh, and she ended up staying in Germany and ended up in Auschwitz at one point. So, uh, really, really fascinating, uh, fascinating stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I guess nothing better to watch during a quarantine than a Holocaust movie, but, uh, uh, yeah, into the arms of strangers story of the kinder transport. I'm giving it three and a half stars. Uh, really cool movie it's actually available now on uh streaming on hbo so if you have hbo you uh you can catch that one and it is an oscar winner it won the best documentary in 2000 have any of you guys seen this or heard of the kinder transport
2: no i have not seen it although ironically i see it at my public library all the time too it's been one that i've contemplated picking up several times but uh i'm sure it's a very powerful movie (laughs)
1: Yeah, I, you can tell it's a documentary from the from two thousand. Um, it it doesn't do a really good job of gripping you, but the story and the the testimonies in it are so powerful that it it's it's really a, an important watch. Cool. And then all right, so let's hear what else did I watch? There were a couple other things I was going to mention here uh over the last like two weeks or so while i've been grading papers i've been binge watching my way through band of brothers again and i mean it is uh, it i'm looking at it and next year it's going to be 20 years old already which is just insane it might be the best bit of filmmaking i've ever seen um it it is just so good and for it being almost 20 years old it totally holds up it looks like it could have been filmed yesterday um it is so 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 good zach you're missing out you are missing out hey you Uh, you gotta watch it sometime you
2: know you never saw breaking bad so if we're talking about great all-time tv i i stand up to the challenge if you finish breaking bad i will watch band of brothers
1: yeah, well, but we're talking Breaking Bad's five seasons. Band of Brothers is ten parts. I mean,
2: then <laughs> don't call it the greatest thing ever made, unless you've uh, unless you can compare it to Breaking Bad. What do you think, Todd? Since you've seen both, which is better, ba- Breaking Bad or Band of Brothers?
0: Well, Breaking Bad is as good as TV gets. So, that, I mean, obviously that's better. But I mean, Band of Brothers is amazing too. I've I've seen it like three times, so and that's a lot of time commitment.
1: It is. It is, and it's one that once you start, you really can't stop. And for it to be a ten-part miniseries that you can't stop, that's it's impressive. But yeah, so Band of Brothers is is amazing. If you've never seen it, you you need to watch it. I mean, Zach, you've got nothing going on. Throw on Band of Brothers,
2: dude. No, I just said I have to do the online learning shit next week. This was my week of nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah but, but still, I mean... That doesn't take up your entire day.
2: I basically, if I'm getting up at uh, 1 p.m., <laughs> there goes my day, man. All right.
1: So, 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 uh, a couple more things I've uh, I've discovered on Disney Plus that uh, Disney Plus has the X Men animated uh, cartoon series from uh, from the early 90s, and I've been starting to watch that with uh, with my son. That show is so good. It, it it is so much better than any of the X Men movies. Um, it's it's great. So I have to say that. And then, bef- leading into our deep dive of nineteen ninety five, um, because we're gonna be we're gonna be looking at a nineteen ninety five film in uh, Mister Holland's Opus here in a second. Uh, today, I I was super excited. So I mean, there's no sports on, and all the networks are are scrambling of what they're gonna show. And so MLB Network has kind of been taking. Days and doing themes of like throwbacks. And today was a throwback to the 1995 Mariners. And man, they, they did a, they did a replay, a full replay of game five of the ALDS in 1995. Mariners, Yankees. And that it's one of the greatest games baseball games of all time. It, it has to be. I mean, it, it was it was back and forth. Uh, Mariners were losing four to two going into the eighth inning and uh and you had um uh, what did you have you had you had Griffey hit a homer you had a, a game tying walk you had uh, you had then an 11th inning go ahead double by Edgar Martinez with Griffey scoring from first it it is it's as good as baseball gets it, in the kingdome with like 55,000 fans screaming uh so man that it was that that was it right there and it saved baseball in in uh in seattle too like they were thinking of moving to tampa bay at that point but because they were able to to do that in 1995 they they got the funding for safe Field now t-mobile park but uh yeah the 95 mariners man it's good stuff
0: i didn't realize that musburger was doing that game i always hear the knee house version
1: i know musburger and jim Cott. <laughs> Uh, and then right after that, right after they showed the, the, the game, they showed the documentary that they put out, I think it was last year, that was narrated by Macklemore about that season and how Griffey was even out for three months with a broken wrist for making a, a heroic play up against the wall and uh, it's good stuff. It's as good as baseball gets. So it was my little my little, uh, my little slice of sports in, in the midst of this sports blackout
0: awesome
1: yeah yeah todd told me i had to talk about it on the podcast since we're talking 1995 and uh i can't believe it was 25 years ago Big, biggest biggest play what all right todd what's a bigger play in seattle sports history the the edgar double or the richard sherman tip
0: i it's it's got to be the tip really that was a that was a game-winning a game-winning play to get into the super bowl i mean it's better than getting into the alcs
1: yeah but uh i mean that that play though I, the mariners have never been to a world series but that play felt like winning the world series for the mariners it was their first time in the playoffs they'd been around for almost 20 years at that point and it was their first time in the playoffs Yep. And after after coming back from what, what was it thirteen games down with two months left to win in a one game playoff and then go down two zero in the ALDS come back and win it that it, it's hard to get much better than that but the tip is pretty amazing too
0: both are on the Mount Rushmore
2: I think the, well yes what you're forgetting about the Seattle Storm nineteen or two thousand four WNBA championship that has to be the third the third one right.
1: Well, I mean, that didn't have any iconic moments, though.
2: Are you kidding? <laughs> the whole thing was iconic, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> uh, uh, the, there were, I, I would say, on that team, what two base basketball Hall of Famers, Sue Bird and Lauren Jackson, are both going to be. I think Lauren Jackson is in the Hall of Fame. Sue, Sue Bird will be.
2: There we go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, let's get into uh, let's get into our main event here. We've been wasting enough time talking about other stuff. Uh, it is the 25th anniversary of Mr. Holland's Opus. This is the movie that we are going to be focusing on for the rest of the podcast, and it is a it is a favorite of mine and Zach's. I think, partially because it's a great movie, but also because we're both teachers, and uh, and and it definitely says something about teaching in this movie too. All right, we're gonna start with our trivia uh since zach and i are the quote-unquote experts on this movie i honestly don't know how expert we are it had been a while since i'd seen it but uh todd's gonna host trivia and quiz us so what are we doing todd
0: uh we're gonna have zach go first i think terry's been talking enough (laughs) i've been talking a lot (laughs) pub beer
1: cheers all right good luck
2: Okay, All who, right. who could have predicted that Terry was going to do a report on Band of Brothers and the 95 Mariners? That's what he watches during the quarantine. That's, like, the hey. most predictable thing ever.
0: Yeah, that is as Terry as it gets. Now we're talking about Mr. Holland's opus. Yeah. <laughs> this I think is Terry's podcast. That's, that's
2: disrespectful, <laughs> but okay.
0: All right, well, this trivia has nine questions for 17 points i'm not sure how difficult this is i i really had a hard time coming up with good questions because there's not a whole lot to to pick out but we'll see how this goes okay the first question is what are the first and last words spoken in the movie
2: oh my god uh So, well, uh, the first word, I, is it like the radio talking about the Warren Commission is out? Something like no, that?
0: I actually, is spoken words by
2: characters. Oh, okay. I should get a half point for that, though. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> it's so tough because the movie doesn't really start with dialogue or end with dialogue. So, um, maybe something like Time to Wake Up? That's so lame. <laughs>
0: Okay, what's your and then guess the last the last,
2: li- last line something like, uh, "Will you take the baton and lead us in?" Glenn Holland's American Symphony.
0: Well, I guess you're uh, kind of close. the The actual first word spoken is Glenn, and the last word spoken is Holland. Oh, <laughs> okay. But you had just the, word. You, yeah, you were talking. You had the right things. You just didn't have the right. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I don't that, know what that was. It's like was. borderline half point, I don't know. Okay, <laughs>
2: there we go, I like it.
0: Okay, second question. How much time does he have to get to work in the morning uh, in the first scene?
2: Uh, well, he has to get there by 7.30. Does he say how much time it takes?
0: No, they, they say what time it is when he says that he has to get oh, there by Oh, 7:30. so
2: so doesn't he wake up at 6.45? So, so 45 how minutes? many minutes... I think I can do math correctly, I think. 45 minutes. Final answer.
0: There it is. You got one point. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) What was Mr. Holland playing at before his teaching gig? That's worth three points.
2: What was he playing at? Uh... Yeah. Uh... Doesn't... Oh, boy. Well, he, he was like... I don't know. Um... I... Uh... He said something about not wanting to play at a Holiday Inn. That's my final answer. I I don't know. I can't remember.
0: Clubs, weddings, and bar mitzvahs.
2: Clubs, weddings, and bar mitzvahs. Okay, you should change that question to, like, what type of venues was he playing. Then I I maybe would have had a better chance.
0: Should I change it that way for Terry? (laughs)
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) Okay. Uh, What album did Holland get at the record store in the story that he tells to Iris?
2: Uh, John Coltrane.
0: That is correct uh what are the other five movies that the director steven herrick made during the 90s
2: oh wow i did look him up um so wasn't one of them don't tell mom the babysitter's dead
0: that's correct
2: i don't know if i can remember all the others they were some very questionable titles this was obviously his best movie (laughs) <laughs>
0: sort of the point of the question. <laughs>
2: uh, Like, really crap movies. I don't know. I can't think of any of the others. Right, the other
0: ones were The Mighty Ducks, The Three oh. Musketeers, 101 Dalmatians, oh. and Holy Man.
2: Holy Man. Eddie Murphy. All right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, what trait does Rowena Morgan say that she always remembers about Mr. Holland's class?
2: Uh, How he... Made everyone love music? Uh, no? no?
0: Had, uh, his highly developed sense of humor.
2: Oh, uh, that's right. Okay.
0: What bus does Rowena board to leave town? The number and the name of the bus.
2: Oh my gosh. Uh, I have no idea. I, didn't, I don't remember seeing the number of the bus.
0: The Evergreen Stage Lines, number 159.
2: Wow. That's that's some nice detail there.
0: <laughs> uh, what did Bill Meister uh, minor in?
2: Contemporary dance. Modern, modern Dance. dance.
0: Yes, correct. And what music group was playing leading into the scene at uh, Springfest ninety five?
2: Louie Louie by the by the Kingsman. No,
0: it was the, the before that. Like the oh. leading into that scene. Like the uh, the it's like a it wasn't actually physically being played it was just in the background the soundtrack
2: it's it was, the song
0: it was boys to men you weren't gonna get it
2: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get the question what are you talking about like when they cut to 1995 and it's like oh it's the yeah. modern world okay well I didn't I didn't know that's what you're asking I thought you were asking right. about the lead in for his his uh, ceremony at the end.
0: But they don't call that, they call Spring Fest was like what they were cutting to, but that wasn't Spring Fest, whatever they were doing in the gym. I don't know. Todd,
2: Todd you got an F for these questions, man. These were terrible. <laughs> I told you I wasn't good at making Spring these Spring Fest? That was like, a, wasn't that like the thing on the banner of the school for like two seconds?
0: It was like, yeah, on the marquee thing. That was what they were showing. <laughs> they played Boys to Men for like, like a minute. But <laughs> like, okay. Wow. Okay, Terry, come back. This That was not good. You had four points. Oh, man. Alright, I'm back. Alright, these are not good questions. No,
2: they were terrible questions.
0: <laughs> but that also might be because Zach didn't get any very many right. But we have nine okay. questions for 17 points. Do you want to know how many Kay. Zach got? Sure. You got four. Four out of 17. And a debatable half.
1: And a debatable <laughs> half. Okay, those are always good ones. Usually I'm the only one that debates points, but Okay.
0: Okay, Terry, what are the first word and the last word spoken in the movie?
1: Oh. Um, the last word is Holland.
0: That's correct.
1: The first word is... I. Glenn. Glenn. Oh. That. Chloe. That's a. That's a great. That's a great bookend. First and last word right there.
0: Yeah, it worked out pretty well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. How much time does he have to get to work in the morning at the beginning of the movie?
1: Forty minutes.
0: Forty-five minutes. <laughs>
1: I thought it was, I thought it was 10 till, it's 6.45, You woke up, dang it, he had to be there by
0: 7.30. Yep, there you go. Okay, yeah. what was Mr. Holland playing at before his teaching gig? What, what venues, Zach said I should ask.
1: What venues? Uh, oh, he, he was playing at, a. you mentioned bar mitzvahs.
0: That's one.
1: Um, hotel bars no no um birthday parties no clubs weddings and permits weddings that was my next one yeah okay
0: what album did holland get at the record store in the story that he tells iris
1: in the story that he tells iris what album does he get at the record store i don't even remember the story um is
0: John Coltrane. Okay. What are the other five movies that director Stephen Herrick made during the nineties?
1: Okay, I actually kinda looked at this. Um but now I'm gonna forget. Oh, Dang it! I... Gosh, I was... I was trying to figure this out, because I I was like, what else had this guy done?
0: Oh... Mmm... Five... Four... Three... Two... Okay.
1: I remember he he did some sequels to a, a franchise that he didn't do the original to. That's the one thing I remember. What did he do?
0: Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter is Dead, The Mighty Ducks, yeah. oh, The Three Musketeers, hard. 101 Dalmatians, and Holy Man.
1: I should have remembered 101 Dalmatians because I actually just watched that recently.
2: We heard.
0: <laughs> yeah. And 102. Well,
1: no. 102 dalmatians was the one i had to i watched for the anniversary thing okay
0: what trait does rowena morgan say that she always remembered about mr holland's class
1: um he made his students love music
2: see that's what i said too you worded the question poorly todd well how because... else was i supposed to ask it no, you're subpo- the question is, what, what trait about Mr. Holland does she admire the most? Not, what does she remember about his class? Cause that's a separate line. And she says
0: that line. She says, that's one thing I always remembered about your class. Uh, your highly developed sense of humor. That, that yeah, but that, that's a different line. The, yeah, fir- the
1: first time she meets him, she comes up and, and says, I, I always remembered your class. You made your students love music.
2: Exactly
0: that's that's not what i but i said what what remember? what she always remember about it that's the first thing that the next time that she he sees her uh, I don't know
2: all right these questions are worse than the questions mr Holland asks on his on his tests i mean
1: you, you, the, yeah
0: yeah
2: the the questions <laughs> on his tests are pretty are pretty
0: bad okay, what bus does Rowena board to leave town the number and the name of the bus
2: oh gosh. <laughs> seriously ionian scale uh,
1: yeah um the, uh, the 57 bus uh and it's uh it's uh, the bus company
0: evergreen stage lines number 159 that is no more obscure than the stupid driving ed question you had in gone to 60 seconds <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but you've th- seen that that's movie a, that's a hundred times
1: Yeah, that's a movie that that we could quote in our sleep, Todd. This is not that type of
0: movie. (laughs) This bus was also on the screen for a good, like, five minutes. Like, the whole scene. Okay. What did Bill Meister minor in?
1: Oh, uh, he minored in Modern Dance.
0: That's correct. Okay, and the last... He minored
1: in Modern Dance.
0: The last question, (laughs) what music group was playing leading into the Springfest 95...
1: what music group was playing leading into.
0: Like, on the soundtrack. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh...
1: Oasis. It was
0: Boys to Men. And Zach wins four to three. (laughs) Congratulations.
1: I got three? Really? Wow. That was more than I thought I got.
0: You got Holland. You got Bar Mitzvah and modern dance. Okay, okay. What other? What did Zach get?
2: I got. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. And you got forty-five minutes. John Coltrane
0: and modern dance. I remember that. What did he say for?
1: I mean, last word. The last word is when they're introducing him to direct the the thing it's like the the american symphony by greg or by glenn holland
2: yeah, yeah. i said i said something like would you come up and take the baton and direct oh the american symphony i don't know
0: and the first word was she like rolls over and says his name that was that's the first word of it, maybe.
2: Uh. and i would have gotten the venues question had you worded it the way you did to terry i, I would have definitely said bar mitzvahs or weddings because that comes up later in the movie yeah all right well, uh Zach, since you won, you get a you get to introduce our movie for us. Sweet. Okay. Well if if you ha- if you for those of you who are just joining us who haven't been listening the last twenty minutes, we're we're deep diving Mr. Holland's Opus, a classic by the one and only Stephen Herrick, in the middle of his epic nineties <laughs> run. Um, you know, Mr. Holland's Opus is one of those really great nineties movies that doesn't typically get made anymore, coming right off the heels of, of Forrest Gump, you know, sort of very sentimentalized, very much like having the Disney-type music and the, you know, the, the very, um, uh, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for, inspirational-type movie. We, we don't tend to see movies like that anymore, um, but it's a movie that, uh Received an Academy Award for best uh, actor Richard Dreyfus, sort of led to a little, a little short resurrection in his career Because he did do a few interesting things after this movie that maybe we can talk about um, But uh, a movie that for for Terry and I at least are, is a very profound movie because we're teachers And I think it's one of those relatively rare movies that I think as a teacher You can watch and say yes, there's a lot of accuracy in it There is certainly a degree of sentimentality and maybe over-the-top melodrama throughout it as well but they're also grains of a lot of truth and then another thing to kind of add to it too is that this movie takes place in Portland and uh, a lot of as opposed to a lot of other movies that say they take place in Portland or the Northwest this is very clearly a movie that is actually shot in Portland and I think that degree of authenticity also gives this movie a few extra points.
1: Yeah I, I, I noticed this time watching it that it like you said it is a very sentimental movie but it's not a bad sentimental like I I love the sentimentality of this movie um and uh yeah like you said it's a teacher movie which which makes it that much more special but it's just good I mean it's just a great story um it's it's one of those you, you feel like they don't really tell stories like this anymore um but it's just it's just a great story. I I love this movie. It had probably been about ten years since I saw this. Uh, the last time I watched it, I used to actually show this to my literature class that I taught. Um, I I forget the context of why we would watch it, but it was something that was suggested, and so we watched it in in my literature class that I was teaching. But um, and that was probably about ten years ago. So uh, yeah, it, it it's a great movie. Richard Dreyfuss is is amazing in this role he he really he really uh gives an amazing performance here and i noticed it was one of only two oscar nominations he had ever gotten he's only gotten two nominations this and he won for um the goodbye girl yeah the goodbye girl so i thought that was kind of interesting that those that you think he would have gotten a little bit more notoriety than that todd what's your experience with this movie
0: I vaguely remember watching it when I was a kid and all I really remembered was like them whining to him while he was like while he's driving like Mr. Holland that, that was that was a one way road and I, that's all I remember about the movie completely. So uh, this was interesting watching it again because it probably it was been 20 <laughs> probably 23 24 years.
1: I, I totally thought one of the questions you were going to ask were what were the critiques the student had of Mr. Holland's driving. I was waiting for that question. (laughs) You can't just pass on the right like that. (laughs) This is a one-way road, Mr. Holland. (laughs)
2: The question I thought you were going to ask, and by the way, I think from now on with trivia, we should always come up with the questions we thought you were going to ask but didn't. The the question I thought Todd was going to ask was, uh, what do Gertrude's uh, family members do? You know how she's like, I have a sister at Juilliard and a brother at Notre Dame, and my mom paints and wins all the Blue Ribbon Awards. Yeah, I was prepared for that question.
0: Yeah, I I almost typed that, but I didn't.
1: I was thinking he was going to ask what 60s rock band stole a box song.
2: Yes, that would have been a good one, too. That
1: would have been a good one, too. All right, well, uh, let's let's hop into our deep dive here. And the first thing uh, we're going to do is... It's been 25 years since this movie came out. So if this movie were made today, uh, what would it look like? And so we're going to do a recasting of this. And, uh... Todd, we're going to start with uh, with you, and do we want to do... We wanna do uh, I always forget to do writer-director, so I don't have anybody, but I'll come up with something. I don't uh, have anybody. Todd, any do you either. have a writer-director? No? Okay, then let's just skip the writer-director part and go right in. Uh, so, Todd, why don't you give us who your, uh, who your Glenn Holland would be uh, if this movie were made today?
0: Well, the easy answer is uh, Greg Kinnear, but... <laughs> I went with someone else. I went with Ewan McGregor. It's I don't really think it's that easy of a role to, to cast. I mean, I feel like Richard Dreyfuss just looks so much like a composer. But Ewan McGregor, I feel like, has... Uh, he has an aura that he could maybe pull that off. I don't know.
2: Okay. All right. And he does have some uh, musical I'll... talent that was on display in Moulin Rouge. He could, he could probably sing pretty well over the top. Yeah.
1: Well, but I don't think... Uh, I think that's part of it is... I mean... You don't have, have to have a lot of musical talent to play this role. I mean, he conducts and he sings badly.
2: True. So, yeah. Well, arguably, you uh, and McGregor sang badly in Moulin Rouge. So.
1: Oh, oh, I love that movie. You shut your mouth.
2: Um, it was a little right, I, mean, I think you'll appreciate this Terry. It, it, it his voice in that movie, a little bit Brian Beagley. and and, and you and you know what I mean by that.
1: we love you brian
2: Um, we know you're listening i'll
1: I'll take that i'll take that okay um so my my glenn holland what i what i love about richard dreyfus in this role is he's he's got the name of a of a movie star but he doesn't have the looks of one like especially at this point in his career he just had this kind of plain look about him but also something very classical about him so uh my glenn holland was uh michael stuhlbarg
2: yeah okay that's not bad i
1: i thought yeah i thought i thought it was it was the right the right feel that a similar feel to to uh richard Dreyfus zach what about you
2: Yeah, Michael Stuhlberg is a good one. Uh, He might be a little old at this point. I think you need to pick an actor who can have a a range. And um, I also think it's quirky. I think the the only other actor in the 90s who who could have played this is, I think, obviously Paul Giamatti. And maybe we can talk about some of the parallels between Glenn Holland and Miles. But uh, the actor today that I would choose would be someone who had to age well, someone with a a high degree, I think, of comedy and versatility, but you also had to believe that they are uh, serious-minded and um, very focused on their career, uh, their failed career. And the the person I came up with was Nick Offerman.
1: I considered him too, but I felt like it would have the wrong
0: tone.
2: Maybe, but I I think he can balance the comedy and the pathos quite nicely plus See, the age I'm, I'm... I
0: feel like is ambiguous. Like you say he's maybe too old. I mean, like he's 50 when he shot this, but he's supposed to be 30 at the beginning of the movie. Like I I don't know. I, it would, I think you could choose an actor anywhere between 30 and 60 and realistically have him play the role. That's true. And if you guys
1: know anything about how I do this uh, do the deep dive, the first thing I do every time is look at how old they were when they when they filmed it and start looking up actors that are that age now. So, Stuhlbark is actually about 50 years old, which is how old Richard Dreyfuss was when this was shot. Just saying.
2: Um, I, I don't know if you agree with me, but I feel like this movie does aging maybe better than maybe any other movie I've seen. Like, the, the way he ages Seriously? in this movie <laughs> is exceptional. <laughs> um, like Okay, we'll can, get to the flaws later. Really? I mean, the, uh, Martin Whoa. Scorsese, you should take note. Like, we do not need CGI aging. Th- this movie did a phenomenal job of that. Maybe it's all Richard Dreyfuss, but i thought this movie was magnificent
1: yeah he i i I would agree i I don't know if he he pulls quite pulls off 30 but they do a decent job at it and yeah he looks like
0: he's mid 40s at least when he's trying to be 30
2: i disagree
0: well but it's also like
1: the time period too that's just how people dressed and looked back then but anyways let's keep going with the deep dive or the the recast todd uh who's your iris
0: this was the easiest one to do. Like, I mean, the, uh, the, uh, I, what's her, what's the name? Gleean he- Headley. I, I kept yeah. thinking that it was Judy Greer, like, the whole movie, and I, I feel like that'd be the easiest recasting ever. Movie.
1: I actually have Judy Greer written down, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually I have two names written down one is Judy Greer, and the other one is Jama Mays. Um, I'm not sure I know who the, the redhead from Glee.
0: That makes sense. I thought,
1: yeah, I mean, she's basically Judy Greer, right? So uh, we're we're thinking the same thing there. Yeah, Zach, what
2: do you got? Uh, This was a uh, hard one to come up with. I mean, if I'm gonna go with uh, uh, Nick Offerman as mr holland i should go with megan Mullally as his wife but that would be not right so
1: no it wouldn't
2: (laughs) especially considering that she's like 15 years older than him so i went with um i mean it was a tough one i just went with Merritt weaver from unbelievable because i thought she was really good in that
0: okay
1: all right all right todd coach meister
0: uh so yeah, I thought I thought that was Joe Montana, the, like the whole movie watching him. But, so, but obviously he's too old to actually take the part. He looks so much like him, it's kind of ridiculous. But um, it, I don't know. That role is kind of like the comic relief, sort of. And he and he's trying to he's trying to be serious, but he's also kind of an idiot. And that's why I picked Jake Johnson. I Feel like he'd be an awesome I, football yeah. coach.
1: That's a good one. That's a good one. Um. So my, my pick uh, might be slightly clouded by some of the stuff I've been watching recently, but I, I focused in on that idea that, you know, he's former military and, and the football coach, but also has a surprising dance background. So I went with Donnie Wahlberg. I mean, a little
2: old at this point, I think.
1: He's the same age as as uh, what's his name was. Jay Thomas was when oh. this was shot. Same age, same age. Donnie Wahlberg, Carwood Lipton, I'm telling you, you could do it.
2: Okay. All right.
1: I like Todd's better.
2: Zach. <laughs> uh, I went with Daniel Day Kim. What? Who is that? Oh, uh, he was on Lost. Yeah. And um, I I only went with him because I couldn't think of anyone, and I saw that he uh, announced today that he has coronavirus. Oh, oh, that guy. Yes, that guy. I couldn't think okay. of him. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time thinking of these. If you can't tell.
1: Yes, I I I can imagine that a uh, in the early sixties they would uh, they would hire at a school in Portland a Korean football coach that served for in the. American military in World War II. <laughs> Brilliant.
2: <laughs> you know, unconventional. Unconventional <laughs> casting. That's what makes movies great.
1: Uh, all right. Todd, who's your uh, Principal Jacobs? Originally played by Olympia Dukakis.
0: Yeah, so I'm with another Oscar-winning supporting actress that doesn't really get good roles anymore and that's uh Marsha Gay Harden. Uh, it's not really a important part, but I mean I feel like it's a kind of role that she actually would take.
1: Nice. Nice. I I, I thought we were gonna have the same one here because as you were going along and saying Oscar winning supporting actress, uh, da, da 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 doesn't really get the parts anymore. I thought you were gonna say Alice and Janney because that's who I went with. Oh. Um I I, I think it it's it's not just it's not just having the presence, but also kind of having that biting humor to it, too, that I really liked out of Olympia Dukakis, who is still alive, apparently. I didn't realize she was still alive. So, you know, go figure. All right. Zach. It's
2: a, it, this is amazing. We didn't plan this out. Uh, when I thought you were going uh, Best Supporting Actress, Oscar winner, who doesn't get the parts anymore, I, I thought of another person, uh, and, and I think it's an obvious selection for this movie, and that is Octavia Spencer. I mean, she, she, would have to, she would have to be the principal, I mean, the, 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 she would actually get cast as the principal if this was remade. So, it maybe it isn't even worth saying her, but she actually would.
1: So, so we have got, got the Korean football coach and the and the black principal of a high school in the 60s.
2: Yes. In Portland. Okay. Come on, remember it's Portland. This isn't this it is isn't, Portland. this isn't uh, this is true. you know, Little Rock, Arkansas, okay? This is a progressive city. But still, <laughs> the vice principal reads ralph nader okay he's he's with it
1: (laughs) well let's get to him vice principal walters todd who would be replacing william h macy or w h macy as he's billed
0: i feel like he's really miscast in that i i mean this is totally a role for like paul walter hauser you know i feel like he'd be awesome Uh, doing that shit really
1: (laughs) No, I thought I thought William H Macy was perfectly
2: cast. I agree.
1: Um, uh, I yeah, just like the the straight laced, you know, stick to the stick to the rules. All I mean, all of us know a teacher like that. Um, I I have two names down here. One of them is Colin Hanks. Uh, just that that straight laced.
0: So you, okay, we and, you know you watch Band of Brothers.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> But then the other one, so that was one. I have two here. That was one I came up with. The other one I came up with, I mean, he he's born to play these roles that are built to be hated, and that's Josh Lucas. Hmm. I mean, there's too many that, similarities that's...
0: between this and Beautiful Mind, though. That you could I could have done that a few times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But uh, yeah, that that's what I went with. All right, Zach.
2: And a, a role for an actor who's supposed to be hated. I mean. This is a role that was born for Greg Kinnear, right? Is it? Are we just avoiding the obvious? Um, but yes, Greg Kinnear was my original choice. I, I would also go with Tracy Letts because he's in every movie.
1: He is in every movie, and he—I think he actually is a little too old, though. So I, pull off I, think being, look, like I think he e- just looks
2: i think he just looks older yeah, than he really is. Like I—I I think I bet he's really like only thirty-five. He just looks that way, <laughs> like Peter Simonischek. Exactly.
1: Uh, all right. Uh, do we want to do uh, uh, Rowena? Yes. All right. Sure. Todd, do you have a Rowena?
0: Yeah, uh, I went with Billy Lord. I I was actually trying to remain a, a little bit like practical with how I did the cast. I, I feel like that that's a role that she could take.
2: I don't know who that is.
0: Uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter. Ah. Uh what was she I in see like, that Book Smart? Scream Queens and the
1: in the last two Star Wars movies. Yeah, Star Wars. <clears throat> Uh for Rowena I went so you gotta have someone that can sing. So but like all the young actresses right now like come from some sort of musical background. But I went with Rowan Blanchard, who is most known as being uh uh the uh the younger Matthews in Girl Meets World the titular character in girl meets world
2: hmm.
1: um that, that's who i went with zach what do you got
2: well i think obviously the girl in mr holland's opus is like 25 years old and to have that romantic subtext she can't be too young so i went with another similarly single named singer actress and that is zendaya zendaya whatever zendaya zendaya it's zendaya yeah
1: I think your movie would have to like be set in the nineties at least.
2: Hey, dude. one of the <laughs> one of my flaws in this movie is there's not a lot of diversity in it, so we need to diversify this movie up a little bit. Let's get more color in there. Not just have it be the, the throwaway, you know, uh black student on the football team who needs to get his grades up. That's a, a little to- bit of tokenism, but
0: it, it, There were two. There was Forrest it's a Whitaker's brother.
2: Piece. That's true. Dude, I totally
1: thought that was Forrest Whitaker the first time I saw him.
2: I did too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What? He was like kind of like, like He was like 35 at that time, probably. I know. I, it,
1: it made me go look. I'm like, wait, how old was Forrest Whitaker? Wait, it's not him. Oh, it's his brother. Okay. Anyways, okay. Uh, do we have any others we want to throw out there?
0: Well, I only cast Cole once because I wasn't going to come up with like five actors. And so I'm with Cole Sprouse because he sort of has a baby face. He's probably like 25, so he could probably play all, all like, maybe three of the four parts.
2: And his, yeah, his
0: I, name uh, is Cole too. Yes. Yeah, I didn't go with his twin brother. I went with Cole because his name's Cole.
1: I I uh, I thought about recasting Cole, and then I read somewhere that all of the uh, all of the deaf characters in this movie were played by deaf actors, and I didn't know any deaf actors, and so I didn't want to. Uh, the girl from the male quiet place. actors yeah deaf male actors
2: well th- so uh i didn't it's funny you say that terry because i did go with a deaf male actor i looked up uh i, I thought of hirohi who who is the lead actor in the tribe todd knows what i'm talking about I... no <laughs> you never saw the tribe no you don't know what that is it was on uh, Grierson and Leach's Leitch, top ten, no, Grierson's top ten of the decade. It, it was this Russian movie about the school for the deaf and uh, these social cliques that form in it and it ultimately involves like killing each other and prostitution. You have not seen The Tribe, really? Have you? Yes, I have. Oh my god. You need to see this movie. This is a total Todd movie. Holy shit. Wow. Okay, you gave me a recommendation to watch today—the all about Nina movie. I'll definitely watch that. But you have to watch *The Tribe* now. Oh my God, this is like one of the most Todd movies ever. I thought I thought you'd seen it. I just assumed you knew it. All right. Okay, you're 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 watching it.
1: All right. Well, uh, let's move on from uh, from recasting and get into some of our other categories. Uh, we look at here um, first before. Before we get into our, our normal stuff, we did mention this was only nominated for one Oscar. Uh, this is 1995 Oscars. Do any of you think that this deserved more awards recognition than it got?
2: No. Well, <laughs> well I think ninety five is a pretty loaded year. I think we need to talk about the best actor race that year because that's a pretty loaded race. And I don't think any of us are saying that Richard Dreyfus should have beat out Nicolas Cage. I, um, I don't really think that's a, a very strong argument. But, I mean, Sean Penn, Dead Man Walking, Anthony Hopkins, Nixon, Massimo Troisi, I mean, that's, I don't know, that's the kind of, you know, borderline questionable one. But, I mean, those are snub, there's some, some major snubs there. You know, Tom Hanks and Apollo 13, Mel Gibson and Braveheart, and... Uh, it's because the this was a pretty strong year, so maybe in another year Richard Dreyfus wins. Um, but I think it's pretty impressive that he just got the recognition.
0: Yeah, it seems like that's to... the only category it would have even been competitive in. I I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything else that could, they could possibly try to give it.
1: Well, how about uh, best screenplay, which it was nominated for at the Golden Globes?
0: I I mean. What, original screenplay? That that was a good original screenplay year too though. I mean there's no way that was getting in there.
1: Yeah, but it got into just the best screenplay at the globes. It's kind of interesting. That's a strange nomination, I think.
2: Yeah. I mean a I wouldn't good.
1: I wouldn't praise this this screenplay. It's good, but I don't know. Yeah, I I the one other thing that kind of stood out to me that I thought would have been interesting is if it could have snuck into like best original score. I thought the the score was was a uh, was pretty strong and it was. Um, and not gonna lie, I did notice that the score was done by Michael Kamen, who's who did the score for Band of Brothers, and I could definitely hear some <laughs> Band of Brothers themes come up throughout the score not lying here i totally could hear it so are we playing a uh, bingo
2: game for every time terry mentions band of brothers
1: (laughs) it's it's coming up a lot dude you gotta watch it um
2: how about best makeup we just praised the the makeup in this movie well i did todd didn't
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i I think it was it was some solid it was some solid makeup. I mean, the winner that year was Braveheart, so it's not like the bar was set very high.
2: Yeah, it was one of and those strange years, blue. Where the, it was uh, three three nominees. The other two nominees, no one would ever guess in two million years. It it was Mi Familia, which is a really good movie, and something called Roommates with DB Sweeney and Peter Falk. But it looks like you don't need makeup for old dudes, so I don't know why that got nominated. Yeah. If you're actually old
1: yeah that's kind of strange. All right. well, you should watch it sounds Brute, like...
2: Terry. That seems like a that seems like a, a, a crappy nominee that you would watch in your um, award uh, marathon.
1: I'll get to it one of these years, I'm sure. Uh, let's uh it sounds like it got probably about as much recognition as it deserved. Richard Dreyfuss is probably really being the only one that really deserved. Uh, some recognition here so let's hop in highest war performance zach you first who had the highest war
2: uh easily richard Dreyfus. i'm just gonna steal the the most obvious one this movie is nothing without richard Dreyfus. like i said the only other actor who could have possibly done it would have been paul giamatti in the in the 90s but then it would have been miles raymond and uh then you're i guess talking about a different movie but in all seriousness i mean I, I can't think of another actor in this role. It might be, like, seriously a top-ten war performance of all time if you're just talking about you can't imagine anyone else playing this role. He was born to play this role. No one else could do it.
1: Todd, did you uh, did you notice that uh, by the end of the movie there was an uncanny resemblance of uh, Mr. Holland to uh, a certain uncle of ours? <laughs>
0: uh, no. <laughs>
1: yeah, he, to- he totally, he totally looked like our Uncle Denny by the end of this movie.
0: I can kind of see it. I don't, I don't know. I, that would not have come to my mind. No. Uh,
1: that, I, I, I saw it. I saw it. All right. <laughs> On that note, Todd, who's your highest war? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no other answer than Richard Dreyfus. I don't think the other performances really do anything. Like, I I think Richard Dreyfus look he looks like a composer. He has the posture of a teacher, and I, I always kind of thought he was overrated in almost every movie he's ever been in, except for this one. Like, this is his apex for sure. And I it, it could have just been this like lame like sister act or Ron Clark story kind of thing, but it's not a boring cable movie because Richard Dreyfus is in it, and, and he's that good. And I I there's no other I- any other character. Could have been replaced easily, but not that one.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the obvious answer. Um, I'm going to try and come up with something different, just so that we have some some variety here. Uh, and I, I've got two others that I want to throw out there. I thought Glenn Headley, uh, as Iris, was really good. Um, and she kind of owned p- these parts at that time. The, just this... The, the supportive spouse. Um, and she was... That that's that was just her role, like in the early '90s. If that came up, And I'm saying it because within the last couple of weeks, it's the second movie I've watched where Glenn Headley is the supportive, supportive wife figure because she did the same thing in Dick
0: Tracy. Um, she took over true, that from but, like uh, what Shelley Duvall.
1: Yeah, yeah, but uh, I thought she was really good. Um, and the other one, uh, Todd already ripped it, but I'm gonna William H Macy. I mean, this is the perfect role for him to play at that time and and like i said we all know a teacher that's like that and i thought his part was one of the hardest ones to recast simply because there's no one that can do what william h macy can do he is so unique in in the the niche he has in hollywood of what he of what he can play that um yeah I, i i thought he was a he was really amazing and hard to replace as well. But Richard Dreyfuss is really the only answer here.
2: I mean, let's look at all the things that Richard Dreyfuss has to do in this movie. Okay, he has to age 30 years. Conceivable for some actors, but not not very many. He has to look Oh, well, really? He has to he has to like de-age 20 and then age 10. And then 10, age but... 10, sure. He has to look <laughs> He has to look passable at being a musician and playing the piano, which he does continuously throughout this movie. He has to learn sign language. He has to be realistic as a teacher. He has to be realistic as a former musician. And he has to be realistic as a love interest to a teenage girl. I mean, how many actors could really pull that off? And and
1: let's also say, he has to be realistic... As not only a good teacher but a bad teacher. Yeah, because at the that's beginning true. of the movie, he is a horrible teacher. Absolutely, I mean I, that was like one of my best laugh out loud moments is watching his first class. I'm like, oh my word, he is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and until he like hands back the tests, he's like, he is a terrible teacher
2: and you know his character remains guarded i mean he's kind of a jackass in the movie he kind of is a jackass to his son and his wife and he puts his family second and i think for a lot of actors you know as a as a viewer you might lose your sympathy for them because they're putting their family second especially someone with a disability like his son but in this movie you never really lose sympathy for him because you know you sense his passion and um, even though he's a flawed character, he's still one who's extremely empathetic. I, it, it, so I, I don't know if that you know, leads to why it's such a high war performance, but it's certainly a, a great performance.
1: Zach, tell me you've had this moment in the classroom of, of what he had in his first uh, orchestra rehearsal where he walks in and they are just horrible, like the worst band of all time. And they finish and you have to say that was good
2: uh yeah yeah (laughs) that's not those aren't really the moments that i more associate with i more associate than the moments on the on the marching band field when they aren't listening to him in spite of you know everything he tells them they're just ignoring him that's that's a little bit more realistic for me but i was gonna add that was gonna be a category which is most realistic teaching moment
1: oh oh i like this let's just pause and do that right now since it's coming up most realistic teaching moment um. Yeah, that that moment is good. The marching band moment mm-hmm. is 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 pretty good. Uh, the one thing I noticed there is he was, and and this is there's a definite difference here between a teacher and a music teacher. Um, because music teachers they're a little uh, a little spacey at times. Uh, organization is You're not talking their about thing. A
2: specific music teacher.
1: Well, <laughs> I've. <I'm> de- <laughs> no honestly it's like 90 percent of music teachers i've met <laughs> but he and and so that moment of him trying to organize a marching band as uh, with a musician's brain it's just it's just beautiful because that that's just not yeah yep and the and the football teacher ha the football coach has to come over and give it some order um yeah i'll have to think about that though but what was your what else did you have
2: well, you know, moments that I could associate with as a teacher, that was very high on my list. And and then I do think, um, I I can't say I've ever had a moment like... Well, okay, the opening moment of the movie when he wakes up at 6.45 and says, do people wake up at this time? I mean, I, I felt that a lot when I, when I first became a teacher. I was like, I can't believe people get up this early. Screw this. But uh, I also think the moment when he's talking to uh, the future governor of Oregon, Gertrude, and uh, he says, uh, you know... You don't need to read the notes on the page. You can just uh, you you need to feel it and. you know, uh, is there, do you, does it give you joy? That, that I think is pretty true. I think it's sometimes as teachers, we get too bogged down and I, I teach video. It's not like I teach math or, you know, the, the quote unquote important core subjects. So like I sometimes get bogged down in the minutia of the Ionian versus whatever scales. I mean, that, 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 was also a very true moment of the movie. And, uh, I think you just need to sometimes cut back a little bit, throw away the book and then just, you know, let them just, uh, in, in enjoy what, uh, what, the, what they're studying.
1: Yeah, I one of the moments I, I uh, definitely uh, identified with is when he's sitting in the principal's office and he says, you know, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do whatever I need to to teach music, whether that means Bach or Billie Holiday, or or uh, rock and roll. I'm gonna do what I need to do to to do my job. Yes. And uh, that I I I think that is that is definitely a moment there that I that I relate with. Todd, I know you don't necessarily have, have the same uh, frame of reference as we do, but is there any moments that rang true as uh, feeling like a true teacher in this?
0: Well, I, I think with him trying to teach somebody who is not any part, uh, does not know any part of music to at least have a beat, and like try having to stomp on his foot. Like, in order for him to try to at least get a little bit of rhythm. I, I mean, I thought yeah. that was entertaining. I mean, I, I could see how that could be, like, a, a tutoring moment or something like that. Because it's pretty much what he was. He wasn't teaching, he was tutoring.
1: Yeah, that, that that's true. Uh, that's, a, that's a good point. I also have to say, I identify with the, uh, the casting of the play and coming down to the end of auditions and being, oh no, are we actually going to find someone that's going to be able to play the lead in this? Like I've I've had that moment before of like, um are we gonna be able to pull this off? <laughs> right. I, I've I've had I've had that moment before. Uh, in fact, just last year we had a we had a play and we were gonna do it and then we needed like four leading men and looked at our choices and went We don't have four leading men. And and we ended up having to pick a different play. Uh, so that's yeah, I've had those moments. Okay. That was a that was a really uh, really interesting tangent and I'm sure more stuff will come up as we go along but we just did highest war let's do worst performance what was the worst performance in this movie Todd oh,
0: I was absolutely William H Macy as Vice-Principal oh, dude I mean mainly because it's a terrible character and he plays it like he like doesn't care he didn't even put his full name in the credits it's like he wanted <laughs> to distance himself from this movie because he knew how bad it was for him like, and his haircut is just stupid. I mean, it, I could not stand it. It was a terrible character. Paul Walter Hauser could have played it, but, you know, he would have made it interesting.
1: That's such a horrible casting for that. Uh, he... No! 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 I mean, that was exactly what that character needed to be. And yes, it's a horrible character. Like, like it's a her- It's a character you're supposed to hate. And and he, he plays it perfectly. And just because you're supposed to hate him doesn't mean that it's a that he does a bad job all right uh i've really had a hard time coming up with a bad performance because i think everybody in this movie does a really good job but my my worst performance is going to be uh joanna gleason as a uh, governor gertrude um because once she gets in there and once she gets up to the podium i'm like dude you're not that's not how a governor carries themselves i mean this, this is not you, you do not look like a governor to me that's the best I could come
0: up Wasn't with. Wasn't she your worst performance in Boogie Nights, too?
2: <laughs> as as uh, Dirk's mother?
0: Yeah, I think it was. Oh, gosh.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it was. I must just
1: not like that yeah, actress. not a fan of
0: Joanna least, <laughs> apparently.
1: <laughs> not a fan. Not a
2: fan. All
1: right. Zach?
2: Uh, I sort of agree with Terry. I mean, for as much credit as we're giving... Um, Richard Dreyfus in this movie for carrying it. Actually, quietly, the supporting cast is really not that bad. I mean, maybe it's because they're not really given a whole lot of work to do in it. Um, I guess I would have to go with Jay Thomas because, I don't know, uh, maybe it's just uh, a problem I have with the character. I I could have done without him, especially in the second half of the movie. Um, His de-aging, I guess, looks a little less uh, authentic than... uh, Uh, Richard Dreyfus's. You know, my favorite fact about Jay Thomas is: Did you ever watch him on the David Letterman show at at Thanksgiving, or was that just? Do you know what I'm talking about when he was on the David Letterman show? No. Okay, so every year around Thanksgiving, he would go on the David Letterman show and recount his story about uh, how he uh, met. uh, What was it? It was like the uh, uh, the Lone Ranger. Okay, fans out there. YouTube this if you get a chance. Look up Jay Thomas Lone Ranger Letterman. And both of you have to do it tonight, too. He would go on the Letterman show every year and say the same story about how he was, like, selling cars in the 70s and met the Lone Ranger. It's a great story. Dave loved it so much that he asked him to say it uh, on his show every single year. So, literally, you can look it up, you know, 1990 to 2015. He was there every single year. Anyway, that's, you know, doesn't have anything to do with the movie, but j thomas my worst performance he, he was better on uh, letterman
1: that that's totally something that that letterman would do too
2: yes it's really funny it's <laughs> it's worth worth your time check it out uh
1: see when i when i still see i mean i feel like j thomas played like the exact same character in like every movie for 10 years um todd when you see j thomas what what uh what do you think of
0: I I think of uh, Joe Montana because I didn't know that they were different people. I don't think I've ever known Jay Thomas's name before.
1: I I never knew his name, but I've known him for other stuff. Doesn't he and look like when he I should be in him, the mob?
0: He should, He looks. He looks just like Joe Montana
1: in like nineteen ninety. I could see that, but when I think of him, I think of him as the father in my date with the president's daughter. Yes. That could exactly. have easily
0: been Joe Montana. <laughs>
1: Uh, oh gosh Okay Um, Favorite minor character Todd what do you got
0: uh, I went with uh, Paul Bernard As auditioner number 5 Because he was so awesomely bad That he couldn't even He was trying to sing the part But he was so bad He couldn't even read the part So he was stumbling over his words Trying to talk them and I just thought that was really funny, and I thought that that part would have been like Clark Duke in like 2008, and because that, and yeah, that that was my favorite minor character because he was just pathetic.
1: Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I think when we're talking minor character, really we're talking your favorite student of, of all the students in there, um, and I'd probably go with Lou Russ, Terrence Howard. Um, I I really, I really like that character and I, I, that's one of the characters I always remembered. And I remember the moment when I went, wait a second, that's Terrence Howard. Like once I watched it more recently and knew who Terrence Howard was and I was able to identify that that was him. Um, and, and his scenes are, are just so, they're so genuine and he just has that genuine, uh, vibe to him in everything that he does. So, uh, so yeah, Zach,
2: what about you? I'm going to go with Alexandra Boyd as Sarah Olmsted, who is the theater teacher at the school, because clearly she and Mr. Holland have a great thing going at the school because they're able to put together these incredible productions and she's somehow British. So don't get at, don't at me because the movie isn't, you know, (laughs) Portland, why they would never hire someone from out of the country. And uh, yeah, she's really devastated when she gets fired. I mean, you know, Mr. Holland is really upset, but she cries. And Mr. Holland's like, what did you do to make her cry? So they got a good thing going. And um, yeah, favorite minor character, maybe because I can't think of anyone else. Okay,
1: I'll, I'll say that's another great, like, authentic teaching moment is the staff meeting where they are talking about the play. Yes. Like that staff meeting there, it just it it had the perfect vibe of an actual teacher staff meeting. And, and I mean, you you have you have them talking shop there, and and you know the, them having that connection with the play, and then and and even to the point that you know your your football coach ends up standing up and and doing ballet moves. I mean, that just. You, you, you never know what's going to happen in a staff meeting
2: well and they have an incredible theater company there like those those seats were packed the house was packed and even though they don't obviously they don't have a lot of talent especially on the male side so that's pretty impressive and uh, you know those sets looked really good actually maybe my favorite minor character might have been Todd Markham because he was going to be the lead singer had they not found Rowena and that is a version of the Gershwin uh, overtures that I, I would have loved to watch
1: that, that would have been that would have been a fascinating watch right there for sure uh, okay all right biggest stick man Zach this is your category who are you
2: going with well I you know the, on first instinct I think you'd have to go Bill Meister because you know he he does get it in with a lady later in the movie and he seems very fascinated by mr. Holland's exploits at all the bar mitzvahs and the weddings and all the things that Todd asked in his trivia question, but uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to go with, with that, though. I, I'm going to go with um, Statler, the stoned kid who uh, uh, Mr. Holland takes to uh, Terrence Howard's funeral because, you know, he's stoned and he says he doesn't even need to really study or anything. I, I mean, it's the 70s. We're talking like the Dazed and Confused era. He's definitely getting it in. He's seen with a lady at the end of the movie when he comes back to the ceremony, so... He's he's uh, he's the iron chef of pounding Baj in this world. <laughs> oh, that that is
1: such a disturbing way of putting it. Um, it's super bad. Yeah, I know, but it is. Uh, I'm gonna go with all right here. My my biggest stick man. And I'm I'm kind of going out on a limb here, but I'm gonna say Cole is is probably a pretty good not stick a, man. Not a bad pick. I could I could see him him being successful in in that uh, in that arena. Todd, how about you?
0: I I mean I thought the only answer was Stadler. I don't think anybody's getting it in except for him. Like he's got that Harley Kiner, like greaser look. I mean he and he, I think it just attracts women. But everyone else, no one else is getting it in in this movie.
1: You you know who he you know who he reminds me of. He reminds me of Charlie Sheen and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, That's Harley Kiner, essentially, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, well, Harley Kiner was never stoned, though. Like, like it, it just, yeah, that stoner look with the with the leather jacket and stuff. All right. Going from that to biggest douchebag, I'm gonna go first on this one. I don't remember the kid's name, but the biggest douchebag is the kid with the spit valve that always empties his spit valve on the girl's foot next to him. Mm. That's I good mean one. I, and yeah and and I I the little the little nod to him in the in the last scene I was it's like okay that might be a little much but there was no other way you were gonna determine that was him and so I I uh, I, I like that but yeah that's my that's my biggest douchebag um, I think there's a more obvious pick but I decided to go with that one uh, Todd who do you got
0: uh, my my douchebag is Cole uh he he's got a shirt a that just thing. says do it and like he gets so snippy he looks like a link later character by the end of the movie too which is as douche as he get i i don't know i mean his parents have something to do with him being an asshole but i no, no, no character is unlikable in this movie except for cole i mean he's total douchebag he look he looks like like uh what's his face in boyhood
2: or he looks like he should be in like a, a wes anderson movie as like a tennis player
1: <laughs> well, that's, so, so yeah, there you go. You, you you think he looks like Eller Coltrane? Yes. Uh, and and his his first name is Coltrane. So, there you go.
0: There you go, and you can even get that right in the trivia
1: <laughs> I didn't know that that was the album.
0: He's got a poster of him I, behind him too, and, and like his name,
1: his name is Coltrane Gershwin Holland. I knew that.
0: Cole has a shirt that just says "Do It." Like I don't even know what the <laughs> hell that means. <laughs> That was before it Nike even he... got that just do it. I don't know. I was like, what the hell? I don't know.
2: <laughs> All right, Zach, what do you got? All right, well, I think there are some strong cases in this movie for a bunch of characters. I mean, the vice principal, obviously. Um, yeah, he's obviously, the obvious one, I thought. Well, in another like low-key obvious... Bag. Another Yes, he case, is! He's a douchebag. <laughs> uh, another low-key obvious one is Mr. Holland, because who tells his deaf kid that you wouldn't understand John Lennon? I mean, that's just a that's a horrible thing to say. Horrible father, you know. Obviously, didn't take the time to learn sign language. Didn't, you know, puts puts everyone else before his kids. So he's he's a he's a nominee for for biggest douchebag. I'm gonna go with though the uh, fire truck captain who uh, sounds the horn. Um, And everyone covers their ears, and it's like you're, that is a great call. You're right behind the marching band at the high school, they're having a great time. Everyone's having a great day at this parade in sunny spring, Portland, and you're gonna blast the horn. Come on, man, that's a douchey thing to do. That, that is a great
1: call. That is a great call. Yeah, I thought the obvious choice was the vice principal. Um, it, Yeah, ju- just that 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 administrator who is more concerned about being a uh, a taskmaster than uh being an educator um and then also also i agree with you on uh, on mr holland being a, a douchebag too because i thought as i was watching it the douchiest moment in the entire movie is when his wife asks him who's Rowena? And he lies, knowing she's gonna come to the show and see that she is the lead. Yep. I mean that that that's is stupid. the douchiest, the stupidest, douchiest move in the entire in the entire movie. Another? I mean all he had to say was like all I had to say was like it's this student of mine that has a love of music unlike any kid I've ever taught. I mean that's all he had to say.
2: Another douchey thing that Mr. Holland does is apparently, uh, according to the principal Prince, principal Olympia Dukakis, he runs out of the building at the at the bell at the end of the day. Now Terry, maybe he he, 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 he dewey fins it. yeah, yeah. maybe <laughs> yes, he dewey fins it. That's a great way of putting it. But I can't stand teachers that do that at my school, and there are several that do that at my school. That is a total douche thing to do. so that you know bolsters his case a bit.
1: That's true. that's true. yeah. Yeah, I, we don't really have many that that do that either. Either they're uh, they're there like two hours before school starts, or they uh, stay two hours after it ends. So the one the ones that leave early are the ones that get there super early. So yeah, but yes, I agree. I agree. All right, what do we got next? Uh, all right. Who would Nicolas Cage play in this movie? Does he have a role?
0: <laughs> well, I kind of—if he was in high school, he would have played Lewis Russ. I'm pretty sure. But other than that, I mean, he could have played the vice principal at some point in his career. But he is not hes not the right age for any character in this role at, at this point. He,
1: he, yeah, I mean, even like mm-hmm. present day or or then, it doesn't quite fit. Zach, what do you think?
2: Yeah, it's, it's it is a little hard to say. Like maybe he could have played like John Lennon or or Elvis in like the archival footage, like as the actual person. That would be kind of amusing, but that's that's about all. Like like his Elvis impersonation from um, that movie Wild at Heart. He could be he could be Elvis in the archival footage, but that's that's about all I got.
1: I'm I'm gonna say he, he could have um uh, like when he was like Fast Times Ridgemont High Age, he could have been like the male lead in the Gershwin review. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Um Yeah, yeah, he just doesn't fit. That's weird. We found a movie Nicholas Cage doesn't fit into. But it's the year that he also won an Oscar. Yeah, so he was busy. He was a little busy. He was a little busy drinking himself
0: to death. You sound very, very busy.
1: You sound, you sound very, very busy. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, do we have any... Uh, Todd, I know you said uh, something about uh, about flaws. So let's talk about flaws or anything that's outdated.
0: Well, I, got, I was saying that I think the the makeup work and the aging stuff is awful like you never get a clear sense like if you would have told me that he was supposed to be 30 at the start of the movie i would have laughed because he looks nothing like any any 30 year old i've ever seen i mean why not just get like younger actors to play it like they didn't like shine or something like that i mean it's a similarly average movie but i mean it's i i just i don't know i mean that would that's a better way of doing it you could have two great performances rather than one performance that's not really you don't really buy for part of it because of his age and I also think they get the the timeline kind of screws up at the end. I have no idea what happens between when he gets notified that they're getting rid of the music program and when the last scene takes place. Like it seems like it was the same day, but that that would make no sense in in that case. I, I have no idea how how long that was supposed to be. I it, it's really unclear.
1: I would say yeah, I'd say like the last fifteen minutes are like um the last month of the school year like he gets told i could see him getting told like beginning of may
0: and he's still just sitting Something there like in that. silence a, a, a month later where it's just like i can't believe well, I mean, he goes he goes
1: before the school board in that time too i mean it's not like he's just sitting there doing nothing
0: so i don't know it, it, it's it's unclear how long that takes but i mean it, do, it does seem really strange and really kind of rushed
1: yeah zach how about you
2: Yeah, I had a few flaws. One was that the timeline with Cole was a little weird because when is Cole born? 1967, maybe? Because, you know, she announces, Iris announces she's pregnant at the end of his first year teaching, right? So what? Are we getting his birth year, what? 66, 67? Does that sound about right?
1: Yeah, well, I think. His first year teaching was the class of sixty-five, right? Right. Like that's what was on Gertrude's right. music stand. So, so sixty. So sixty-six. So yeah, 66,
2: sixty-six. Sixty-six at the earliest, and yet in night. So that means in nineteen eighty, when they show that scene with John Lennon getting killed, he's fourteen. He looks a lot older than fourteen in that scene. I don't know. It, it, it was just odd to me that the timeline didn't line up, but that obviously is something that bothers me that it says it, it says in it,
1: the it says in the credits that he was 15 at that point
2: well i don't know you, i don't know if he looks 15
0: and he's taking apart an engine
2: yeah that was sort of strange <laughs> well i
1: mean he's well go- he's going to a he's going to a specialized school i'm sure it's it's a somewhat of a trade school
2: maybe Um, I also had a problem with the Lou Russ character, which is that they they later say he made state wrestling three years in a row. But I thought he needed academic credit to be on the football team. So, like, how is he also allowed to be on the wrestling team?
0: Because that's after the football
1: season. Well, and, and he'd been on the football team. Like, he was a senior, and as a senior, he couldn't pass grades and needed to get his grades back up. So he could wrestle and get to state his for the third time
2: but i thought his life was football his
1: life is sports
2: well okay i don't know i don't know Uh, you don't always play the
0: sport that you're best that you don't always play the sport that's your favorite play the one you're best at i guess
2: i guess that's true i don't know these weren't major flaws um i don't know why the governor can't uh finance the music program at the end of the movie like come on we she's got connections she can do it um i think the song at the end of the movie during the closing credits is terrible it's like they just ran out of ideas so they put in the most like bland 90s song ever and i will say overall i think overall the biggest flaw i have with this movie is the second half of this movie spends a lot of time on the rowena mr dreyfus relationship which is you know it's interesting to watch but like I would have much preferred to see a, a movie about Mr. Holland and his son and how he has to learn sign language and adjust for someone with special needs and a disability. Like that to me is a really compelling side of this story that we don't get a lot of, uh, examination in mainstream movies for. So, you know, the Rowena stuff, Rowena, Rowena Mr. Holland, we've kind of seen it in other movies before. This is like one of the only movies I can think of where, you know, a substantial portion of the movie, but not the whole movie is about a, the relationship between, um, a uh, a father and a, a disabled child like th- that that I, I wanted I would have loved to have more time with in the movie.
1: Well, and not just not just a disabled child, but someone whose disability prevents them from understanding their love and passion. Yes, I mean exactly. it, it's it. it uh, I, I thought that that whole side story was fascinating, in how you had yeah you had this this whole thing where uh the best the best acted scene i think of the whole movie was um was richard dreyfus after they find out that cole is deaf and he's teaching his class about um about beethoven and how you can just tell he's holding it in to teach them but he is inside just falling apart knowing that you, you could see he's trying to say, maybe my kid can be Beethoven, but then his student asks that question of, but how did he know? And he has to say, well, Beethoven wasn't born deaf, but my kid was, and so he could never know what music actually is. Um. It, it, it was, and, and it's that close-up of his face, and it's it, it's, it was the best, his best moment of the movie, I thought. Um... Yeah, I I didn't see a I I couldn't come up with many flaws outside of what what uh, you guys are saying. I will say, Zach, you stole my LVP, and that was whoever okayed for that song to be the first thing you hear oh, in the credits. Yeah, what was that? after Yikes. after that masterpiece and beautiful moment? I mean, even even watching it, I, I just watched this last night, and and even watching it now, I I get teary eyed in that final scene of seeing you know, seeing the impact and the legacy that he had over his 30 years of teaching and him finally being able to direct his his opus, his, his, his thing. And then he finishes and it's like, oh, what a triumphant moment. And then you hear that song. That's the first thing you hear after that. Like I would have preferred
2: silence. Think of how many great songs they could have used in that spot. You know, they could have put uh, Beautiful Boy that would have been the john lennon version that would have been a wonderful yeah. song to play they could have put Louie louis at the end why not let's make it fun they could have put uh, the beethoven symphony they could have put anything there's so many pieces of music in this stupid movie and you got to put that crap yeah terry yeah, i was, agree with you that's cle- clearly the worst uh, flaw in this movie
1: that that was the one moment it went from it went from sentimental to over the top nineties. That coin.
2: must have been a studio decision. There's no way that director would have okayed that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was it, that. It was the worst. It was the worst. Okay. Do we have any conspiracy theories?
2: <laughs> I don't think so.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't think so either. It's kind of hard to have a conspiracy theory in something like this um okay why let's
2: let's just oh i guess the one question i always have maybe it's conspiracy theories why doesn't rowena show up in the last scene what's she doing in her life
1: i was thinking the same thing everybody else is there apparently even like uh like what um uh, uh, forrest whitaker shows up as the older bobby tid yeah 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 uh but you don't see rowena like she she needed to be there
2: yeah. She needed to be there. Yeah. Well, you know, she's a struggling actress in New York, kind of like Mary Jane in the Spider-Man movies, which is also why I picked Zendaya to be Rowena. That's my conspiracy theory. Aye,
0: aye, aye.
2: It all goes back around.
1: Rowena is MJ? That's your conspiracy theory?
2: Rowena is MJ, yes. That is my conspiracy theory. Struggling actress on Broadway.
0: She looks just like Carla Gugino in uh, Saved by the Bell.
1: Wow, I That's don't a conspiracy remember
2: you
0: know and Saved by the Bell.
2: I just remember her in Spy Kids.
0: She was the one, like, Zach Morris meets her, like, uh, over the summer or something, but she was in ninth grade, but Zach was still in eighth grade, so he couldn't date her yet or something.
1: Okay. <laughs> Interesting.
0: Huh. I think that All was right. still Good Morning, Miss Bliss, actually.
1: It might have been. It might have been because yeah, that's when they were in middle school Saved by the bell was once they were in high school okay let's uh, let's wrap this up with wrap this up with uh, LVP MVP Todd who is your LVP or what is your LVP?
0: okay I have two one of them is uh, the kid who manages to drop his mouthpiece to his French horn before the first note is even played in the first uh, practice <laughs> I'm not sure how you do that but I, I was just like wow. That kid is going places, but uh, for real <laughs> I think uh the editor is definitely the the LVP like this movie is way too long. I feel like it's at least forty minutes too long, and there's a lot that could be cut out and not lose the emotional impact of the end of the movie and uh i I feel like that 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 could be a flaw potentially but I mean yeah that I, I feel like it's not it, it's not cut very well
1: I'd say that's fair
2: that's completely I'd unfair. I, this movie could have been an hour longer. I, I would have loved to, to have seen more I mean my, my biggest flaw in the movie is they didn't develop the relationship enough. There should have been more time for that and it's not a diss against the Rowena scenes. This movie should have been three hours long. Uh, Avengers can be three hours that, long but that, not that, this that, scene. So
0: many this scenes movie. are repetitive like, I don't know it just they could have cut like 40 minutes off
1: I, I could see that, but I also see Zach's point too. Like, like I, I could have lived with these characters for for a long time. Um, Zach what's your LVP Well can
2: I make my LVP Todd I mean look clearly Todd <laughs> doesn't like this movie Okay, Todd thinks that this movie is repetitive And he, he asks shitty questions And he's not a fan of this movie So I'm tempted to make him my LVP But honestly in all seriousness Todd,
0: Todd what, are you, what are you rating this movie
1: What have
2: you rated this movie I mean
0: I, I, apparently I had it at two and a half stars I think I'm keeping it there I don't really see the news in move it.
2: Todd didn't even like the makeup in this movie Like what, what is wrong with you The aging process in this movie is amazing. Um, Okay, but actually. My my serious LVP is uh, someone who I, I could have also mentioned the douchebag category, but it's the hearing doctor who says don't use gestures, and the movie like frames him as this very ominous yes. dark figure. I warn you, don't use gestures, and that's very you know like very ableist language, and he he's, he's a total douchebag and the LVP of the movie because without gestures, how it, how are the how is Cole supposed to communicate with his parents? I mean that's ridiculous. So a horrible medical advice from the medical establishment, so-called medical establishment in the late 60s. That guy is a total LVP.
1: I agree with that. Um, my LVP... Well, I already mentioned my LVP. It's the idiot that put that song at the start of the credits. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe the idiot that wrote that song. I mean, that that was just a horrible song. Um, in a movie about about music, that's, that's your song. That's really... But um, if I'm going to pick something else, my LVP is Rowena. I mean... You, you, there, you always have the the story of uh, of someone being hot for teacher but asking the teacher to run away with you to new york to become an an aspiring broadway star what <laughs> that that that's that's going a little too far and and it just turns you into a home wrecker so douchebag um, thing yeah. to do I, I almost said my the, the biggest douchebag was rowena i almost did because of that (laughs) nice yeah all right now the mvp todd who's your mvp
0: uh my mvp is actually the organizer of the soundtrack because i feel like throughout the movie there's a lot of awesome montages and stuff and like things that keep the the movie going when it could have like been taking dips in like interest and uh without that that i I feel like it could have just been like a weepy tv movie but yeah aside from the end credits song like everything else the soundtrack i think is pretty awesome
1: so so you're saying your lvp is the editor but the mvp is the music playing over the editing (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) it it makes it kind of transition
1: because because that i really do like those moments where it it kind of gives you the setting by giving you that little uh that little montage of what's happening in that time period or like giving you the little fast forward there yeah and that's all editing but okay
0: well yeah but the editor also has a lot more jobs i'm saying the specifically that what songs they're playing actually makes it it you puts it puts you in that era a lot more easily
2: okay all right zach mvp uh, my VP is Ludwig von Beethoven, because uh, he provides. Well, Terry already talked about it a little bit, but I think the best scene in this movie is the scene Terry mentioned when Richard Dreyfuss talks about Beethoven going deaf and, move, and taking off the, you know, the the uh, legs on the piano and banging it on the ground. That is, I mean, maybe I'm a little tipsy. That maybe is like a top 10 movie scene of all time. I think that is a phenomenal scene. I love that scene so much. In fact, I sort of sometimes forget about the rest of the movie and just think about that scene. Although I will also say my second favorite scene in the movie is when Richard Dreyfuss sings Beautiful Boy, which is a, yet another thing that had to go into the role, which is you can't be a great singer, but you have to, you know, sincerely sing kind of bad, but like lovingly bad. So another way that makes him, uh, a, you know, the highest war performance. But anyway, Beethoven is is my MVP because without that scene, this movie is not as great as it is.
0: I'm not sure Paul Giamatti could have sang lovingly bad. I'm not sure he. <laughs> I, I can't picture him singing at all. I
1: don't know if he could be lovingly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Greg Kinnear.
1: Yeah. I I don't I don't know if you could say he was a that that was a top ten scene of all time, but I think it's safe to say it might be a top five like. Classroom scene of all time. Because at that point, all the all the kids are completely riveted.
2: Well, that was that was like, it. But... That was his Oscar moment. That close up on his face was his Oscar moment. I don't know if that's the clip they played at the Oscars. It should have been, but that made me think for just a second. Am I really right giving my ninety five best actor to Tom Hanks? Maybe I should just say screw it and give it to Richard Dreyfuss.
0: You give it to Tom Hanks over Nick Cage.
2: Oh well, yeah, I guess. I don't know where my thinking is anyway. I don't know. Maybe you are. Yeah. (laughs) Split it three ways.
1: All right. Well, uh, my MVP, I'm going to go with Principal Jacobs, because uh, if it wasn't for her, like, like she is like the dream boss to have as a teacher, the dream administrator to have, because if it wasn't for her, Mr. Holland would have never been a good teacher. Like, she's the one that calls him out and challenges him to be better. Like, if Walters had been principal at that moment, there's no way that that Mr. Holland lasts more than, like, three years as a teacher. There's no way he makes the decision, well, let's buy a house and I'm going to keep teaching. It is because of Jacobs that he becomes who he is and he becomes a teacher he is. Because every teacher needs that, that one person to come up to you and say, I got your back. You can be better, be better, and uh, and he does, and he does it because of her, and so uh, she's the one that makes the whole movie happen, and so uh, I'm going with Jacobs as the MVP.
2: Yeah, normally I would disagree with the idea of giving an, an administrator more credit than a teacher, but I do think uh, you are right that uh, she has a lot of good things to say in the movie, and. She has a really nice picture in in, uh, in that office at the end of the movie, too. She does. She does. They should rename the school after her. Jacobs High School.
1: Did Did you notice... Okay, so this movie was filmed in Portland. It was filmed at Grant High School in Portland. And the way you can tell is in the very first scene at the high school, they're covering up where it says Grant High School with Kennedy High School. And it's supposed to show, yes, we're renaming it Kennedy because he just died but it's because they're filming at grant high school in Portland,
2: <laughs> but it works. It works well though.
1: It works perfectly. Yeah. It works perfectly. <clears throat> All right. Uh, any, any last thoughts before we move into uh, our quote of the day and wrap this up?
2: Do you think, do you think uh, Statler ever wrote that essay about music as the language of emotion? Single space with annotations?
1: Uh, yes. I th- I think Mr. Holland proved to him that he needed to uh, that he needed to prove that he was more than that. And he showed that he did prove it by by actually showing that he made something of himself at the end. So yes, I think he did.
2: You know, one of the things about being a electives teacher, which is a huge advantage over being like what you teach terry is that you don't have to grade papers like i mean no teacher wants to say that but let's be honest i i hate grading papers okay i hate the red worst part of teaching it sucks so mr holland even assigning papers it's just a little bit like come on man grow up you you teach music you don't have to assign that crap okay like i'm so glad i never have to grade anything like that and it's honestly one of the best parts of my job
1: not gonna lie, every time I assign an assignment, part of me goes, crap, that means I have to grade it. <laughs> every time. <laughs> uh, Alright. Well Let's move into our quote of the day. Todd, we're going to you first.
0: Okay, the part of the movie that rang most true to me was a, a quote from Lewis Russ who says, tubas are for fat guys with pimples because that was me I was a fat guy with pimples who played the tuba in middle school and high school so that made me happy
1: you, you I, I don't think you could really say you were a fat guy Mr. Paul Walter Hauser should be Principal Walters Vice <laughs> Principal well eventually Principal I,
0: I definitely was not skinny at that time when I was playing the tuba <laughs>
2: all right zach what's your quote my quote comes from john lennon who said life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans which is the way i feel about this podcast it's not planning to do this podcast but uh it's what happened to me
1: yeah yeah and we're we're, we're recording on a friday because we we text each other like is there a reason we can't? Yeah, I, I wasn't, got nothing else going on. <laughs> right, I wasn't
2: expecting uh, to be quarantined this whole week, but uh, hey, it's it's what happens when you're busy making other plans.
1: mm mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, well, my quote is uh, is from Principal Jacobs, and it was as I was watching it last night. It was the quote that I went, "Wow, that is the most poignant quote of the entire movie, especially as a teacher." Um, and she's talking to, to, uh, Mr. Holland. And this is when she mentions that he races to the, to the parking lot as fast as the kids do. And she tells him a teacher is, has two jobs, fill young minds with knowledge. Yes. But more important, give those minds a compass so that that knowledge doesn't go to waste. And, uh, and I, I heard that and went, wow, that is so profound and poignant. And I think the best line of the movie right there especially as a teacher hearing that it, it's really true i mean it's more than just giving them facts and giving them tests and stuff but it's actually you know giving them that compass and uh and then and in that moment where she gives him the compass is just awesome again sentimental but brilliant and sentimental and i, I loved it
2: And another lesson of this movie is, you know, everyone should really love music because if you don't love music, then you hire people on your movie that pick bad songs that are terrible and ruin the whole movie. So learn to love music. Everyone should be like Russell Hammond. I dig music. That
0: was going to be my quote of the day, actually.
1: (laughs) What? I dig music? (laughs) You can tell Rolling Stone magazine! (laughs) uh all right well with that we're gonna bring this to a close thank you guys so much for listening make sure you subscribe rate review on itunes we're also on spotify you can find us there uh find us on twitter at almost sideways uh and uh find us at almost sideways.com where we have all of our movie ratings and reviews we'll be coming back to you oh maybe in a week maybe two we'll see how uh, how life's treating us in a week uh and uh we'll come with some uh some other stuff to talk about but until then have fun watching movies and we'll catch you on the flip side despite your crass behavior i'm glad we were able to do this together